All right, way to go, late night for the planet. Uh, welcome, everybody. Um, Charles, you want to take it away? Sure. Uh, thank you all for being here. Welcome to another late night for the planet. Uh, as I'm sure you are aware of, tonight's show is going to be a bit different from most of the ones that we've done in the past. Um, we are recording this special episode live via Zoom. Uh, so please bear with us for any technical difficulties that might happen. Um, and let's get into it. Uh, tonight, we are joined by some friends of the show, some of whom have been guests on here before. Uh, we have Lauren Eastwood, sociology professor at Plattsburgh. We have Eric Howe uh, from the Lake Champlain Basin Program. Uh, we have John McMahon, a political science professor at SUNY Plattsburgh. And we have friend of Late Night for the Planet, Adam Saslow, right there joining us. Uh, this show is going to be different also because we aren't really going to be following any sort of a script. Uh, we're going to be talking about some of the current events that have been happening, uh, the pandemic, how it's impacted our education, the political landscape, uh, and the celebration of Earth Day 50, which is tomorrow. Uh, so uh, those of you watching at home, grab a beer, kick back, chat along with us in the comments uh, while we just discuss a sliver of what the fuck is going on. So <laughs> let's get into it. I think it would be pretty cool since most of us are still in academia uh, to talk a little bit about our experiences dealing with the transition that we've had to do in the past couple of weeks from physical in-person classes to online school. So uh, Lauren, uh, why don't you take us away? How has your transition been <laughs> as a professor? Well, oh. <clears throat> <laughs> Thanks for putting me on the spot there. Actually, you know, it's really funny. I was I send these little uh, communiques to my students and I number them all so that they can keep them keep track of everything. And I try and keep the subject headings clear and all this. And so today I, I kind of chronicled the phases that we've been going through. And I was like, week before spring break, we are all in this sort of disbelief. Is this really happening? Uh, what's going on? What's going to happen? Then spring break, professors were trying to be like, oh, holy shit, now what do we do? <laughs> and then now, you know, the transition, okay, we've got this going, we can do it, we're still kind of overwhelmed by what's going on in the world. But now burnout is setting in. I don't know if you all are feeling the same thing. But it's crazy. I was running on adrenaline getting no sleep because I was worried about the state of the world and everything, you know, having these crazy dreams every night. Now I just feel like I'm exhausted from it all. So yeah, that's how it's going for me. How about you, Charles? Um, about the same. I'm about three weeks behind on a bunch of work and uh, the transition, for me, I was lucky most of my classes, I'm finished with a bunch of the harder stuff. So I'm just trying to catch up on easy work that's just kind of accumulated as I've been uh, dealing with the day-to-day goings on of life. I actually, I've recently moved, I'm here in DC right now. Uh, so that took about 
two weeks of my life away where I was just focused on getting myself together. Um, so it's been difficult. It's been a hard transition. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I totally believe it's a bit of a clusterfuck and I can't tell what's going well and what's not going well. But what I do know is that at least this week in one of my classes, students have stopped showing up. Uh, and so I think I must be hitting a grand slam in that one. Maybe they're I mean, just way ahead. I mean, my <laughs> mantra the whole yeah. <laughs> my mantra the whole time has just been that we're not actually taking or teaching online classes, but we're doing crisis things that are class-like in nature, and hopefully we learn some stuff. Because I don't think it's reasonable to expect any more of us or any more of our students or anybody else in this time. And like that's been a very hard thing to do and like set expectations for myself and for others, especially when like I miss my students and I chose to do what I do because I like being in a room talking with people about interesting and important things. And that's not possible anymore. Adam, so you do something totally different, right? Um, as, as somebody who's working professionally in the environmental field at the moment as a consultant, how is this moment affecting you? Good question. Um, you know, we're still really busy. Um, we're fortunate in that we have a collaborative technologies platform. And so bringing people together uh, remains job one. It becomes, there, things take longer and there is the ubiquitous question and it's heartfelt before we start any collaborative dialogue, which is how are you doing? And it's genuine and, and, and people feel vulnerable enough to share. And it, it almost makes the, the discussions around environmental policy or health issues easier because we're all feeling the same thing. You know, as a facilitator, which is what I do, you're always looking for that core value that brings people together and you build out from that. We have that on the table for us right now because we're all struggling. And what's apparent to all of us and everyone out there is that we do have good days. We also have days that, that are really hard, you know, that it's just hard to get up and do what we've been doing for the last six or seven weeks in the same space without human, physical human interaction. Can you give us a taste right now, Adam? Um, of I've got two questions, but the first one is you're in Atlanta. Most of us are here in Plattsburgh or scattered around New York State or Pennsylvania, um, but we're here in the Northeast and we know, uh, you know, we, 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 we know the state of coronavirus here right now. And I'm curious to know where Atlanta is on the curve. If New York is maybe just now approaching the downhill side of the curve, where are you? So um, timely right now to be talking about this because we have not reached our peak. Um, and Atlanta has been locked down, if you will, for three or four weeks solidly, maybe five. Um, there was a part of Georgia down in the Southwest, which was the second hottest spot in the world for a time, even relative to Italy. Um, Atlanta has not been crushed by this yet, though we were near to capacity on hospital beds. The peak is forthcoming, they say, within a week or two. And yet, um, just 24 hours ago, Governor Kemp 
um, in his infinite wisdom, decided that effective Friday, um, the following businesses would be allowed to reopen. Now write this down because we are going to become fun city for the rest of the world. As of Friday, you can go bowling. Yeah. <laughs> you, you can get your mani pedi. Well then, of course that's essential. Absolutely. I've needed that for a while now. <laughs> Do you want to see my nails? Uh, <laughs> you can. You can. Is that get the your... next activity on late night? Everybody shows their quarantine nails. <laughs> well, I'm wearing I'm wearing a headset for a reason. It keeps my hair down. So whatever little is left, but but you can you can get a tattoo. That's important. So mani pedi, bowling, tattoos. You can go to the gym. You can go to a theater. Um, what's the last thing? It's something absolutely ridiculous, like worse than. Can a you go buy a gun? Um, that has you never been outlawed in this state. You can't haircut, gym, uh, mani pedi, uh -huh. um, tattoo. Oh my gosh, I can't believe it. I'm, I'm forgetting. But you can do all those things, and yet we haven't reached our peak. My understanding is we have more deaths today so far than any other day. Um, so we just don't get it. There is a cynicism here and a fear that um, what businesses are allowed to open. They are small businesses with at the lower end of the economic spectrum and people who would be unemployed if the businesses don't open, a drain on the state coffers. And um, also people who are sadly likely to be less insured for healthcare than anybody else. And yet, what's not open well you can't go to your commercial establishments you can't go to your commercial real estate space um why is that it's just interesting we are the first state to open and yet we haven't reached our peak we certainly haven't hit um the guidelines of the federal government looking for a 14-day descent down the curve you could have had stacy abrams that's we could have 107,000 votes that were disqualified oh. by, by our governor, oh. who was simultaneously the Secretary of State. Nothing wrong with that, right? He only had to certify the election. No fox and hen house there. <laughs> <laughs> was that an O or a U as the vowel? I wasn't quite sure, Lauren. What? <laughs> 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 Yes. Good point, though, now that you mention it. <laughs> you left it for me on a silver platter. <laughs> I don't expect to get many softballs like that the rest of the evening from you. <laughs> What's life like for you, Eric, at the Lake Champlain Basin Program? Um, luckily for us, day-to-day uh, -day business hasn't really been affected that much, other than the fact that we're all working out of our respective uh, homes, but uh, I'm happy to say that we were able, the Basin program was able to redirect some unobligated funds uh, last week to support some of our watershed groups that have been, that will be struggling um, here in the Basin. So we've got a new grant program out that we just fast-tracked and uh, closed, we opened it on Friday last week, closes this Friday, and the idea is to help push money out to uh, the smaller watershed groups that might not have the, the larger bank accounts um, that some of the other groups might do have um, to help keep them afloat 
for the next uh, three months or so. Um, so I'm glad we were able to do that and we'll see what we get for response to that. But, um, How were you able to get that up and running so quickly? I mean, that seems like a pretty quick innovation with, you know, in a pretty stressful time. Yeah, the, um, well, the timing worked out with our, our steering committee, which is like our, our board of directors um, was scheduled to meet last week anyway. And so I was able to move that topic onto the agenda for that meeting um, right off the top, right, I put it right on top of the agenda. And um, we had um, about $150,000 that we had not yet obligated for new programs um, that we were going to push forward this summer. Uh, but it seemed to make, made, it made sense to pretty much everybody that this would be a good thing to do to use those funds mm -hmm. to support the watershed groups that are doing all the work, a lot of the work in the, in the basin to help us meet our goals. Lauren is diverting her extra funds to me. Very generous. Yeah, it's very generous, but she's very concerned about me, and I appreciate it. Let me find that loose change here. Yes. <laughs> our, our SUNY Plattsburgh is just full of loose funds uh, to be diverted right now. I think I have a few pesos somewhere. I've seen some. I've seen some articles recently saying that a bunch of universities have been affected due to like the fluctuating stock market. Do you guys have any idea how the SUNY system is dealing financially with regards so to the professors? We don't have we don't have an endowment. I mean, this is no okay. yeah. critique on any of the men on campus, but <laughs> we're not endowed. <laughs> so, so right. So but private colleges, yes. But what's yeah. interesting is we've been working with like a two million dollar deficit for a while. So this is really not good, really what not good. Like you could say, yeah, we've toughened up. We could, we could, we know how to handle austerity, mm -hmm. except this may be like what tips us over the edge. Although I was just reading in the Chronicle of Higher Education that um, the that higher ed got a, like, several billion dollars in the CARES Act. Did you hear about this, Kurt? Like SUNY Plattsburgh is supposed to get $5 million from that yeah. last one that they, and well, with, half of it's supposed to go to students, which I'm a little annoyed at, but. And then right the question is like, <laughs> I was gonna go in a different direction than Lauren. My question was gonna be like, where's the transparency about where that's going? Like yeah. how how is that being dispersed mm -hmm. to students? Mm -hmm. Exactly, that's a really good question. And I had the same exact question after getting annoyed with it, just not at all annoyed with it. <laughs> but yeah, so it's all, I, I, don't, I could look it up. All right, talk amongst yourselves and I'll be more clear in a minute, but it's really quite fascinating. Billion um, to higher ed. What's that? $14 billion with a B, B to higher education out of the yeah. care. Yeah, which I was shocked really because i thought we were all fucked and we might still be I've that, it's yeah. gonna be distributed i mean i'm we i think we've heard from all of us that are teaching right now but i'm interested from uh, our student panelists like what is this learning or classroom experience like for you all right now like does it even feel like classes does it just what is kind of like your like visceral sense of it um I can start. Um, I definitely, uh, what Dr. Eastwood said about like how, you know, we've kind of gotten off that like high of like the adrenaline high of like what's happening, whatever. Like we kind of know what's happening. We set into a routine and now it's just like the burnout. Like I am less productive day to day. So I'm work. So like, you know, where I maybe 
would take like Saturday and Sunday, like like an actual weekend to like not do work. I'm now like, I feel obligated to work on those days to do schoolwork because I'm not as productive the other days. So I don't have like a day off. So I'm getting burned out. Like it's like a kind of a never ending cycle. And I'm simultaneously like, oh, thank God we only have like, you know, two and a half, three weeks of classes left. And then finals are also like, I need more time to like get my shit together. Like, like I can't, like can't win. I mean, yeah, it's, it's, and then like, you know, living and being on campus, like you're in control of your own schedule and everything, right? But like being at home with like my family of five is like much more complicated and there's so many other factors. So that's like another layer of like just difficulty at the moment. Yeah, definitely. Um, I feel like my sense of time is just, it's, it's just not stable at all. I'm like, I, it, it does, I, I, I didn't even realize that there was only a few weeks left of school until um, one of my teachers sent an email and was like, make sure you're doing your work. Remember, everything's due May 1st, because that's, that's how she's doing things. And I was like, that's uh, only a few days away. <laughs> that's crazy. Um, but yeah, like, on the, in the first two weeks, I was on top of my work every morning I'd wake up at like nine and I was like I'm gonna go to my classes I'm gonna do everything and now I'm just like uh, you know I'm I'm just not motivated not productive and I also see some of my teachers experiencing that burnout too because I check some of my classes and they've posted nothing at all and I'm like all right I guess we're not work doing work today um it's just the inconsistency but I, I definitely get it I it feels reassuring that we're all in the same boat though so yeah I know my daughter's complaining about missing the sparking that happens when you're in a room with your friends and colleagues mm -hmm. and, and, and I'm imagining the three of you uh, or four of you or five of you, however many there are, um, <laughs> are, are missing that too. Are you like craving that, oh my God, this is not the school experience. Yeah, I, I, I miss being in a classroom so much and I feel so bad. like for missing any class at all because I'm like I took it for granted I'm missing my professors I miss doing the working class I miss being surrounded by all my classmates I'm like I'm never missing class ever again because I'm never gonna take uh, uh going to class for granted like that it's just yeah I and I definitely work better in an environment like that than at home and I knew that from the start so so can I ask one more question just because I'm, I'm dealing with this with with my daughter at home are are any of you supposed to come back in the fall or are you all graduating? Yeah, freshman, um, so. yeah. All of us except for Charles are, and Mikhail's already graduated, so she's you know who, who cares? Kidding. I love you. <laughs> I'm graduating into an economic collapse. Yeah. <laughs> 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 it's gonna be tight. <laughs> uh, you, know, yeah. you know, just a disappearing job market. <laughs> Woo, I'm, for 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 multiple reasons that one included i am glad i am not graduating this year yeah but um uh aziza samantha and i are are um coming back in the fall so for the three of you I, my daughter introduced this the other day you know are you considering like maybe taking a semester off thinking that the fall might not be a return to normal and if i'm not going to get the college experience why bother that's interesting i hadn't thought about that either I'm taking one off, Adam. Are you? Yeah. <laughs> Wait, how do we do that? Yeah, no, I I just sent an email in, John. I just sent, sent an email to. Well done. <laughs> I'll, 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 I'll private chat you on Zoom. You can. Yeah, info at plattsburgh.edu. <laughs>
Kurt I has actually convinced me to do me. the opposite. Oh, sorry. What's that? Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> uh, Kurt has convinced me to do the opposite, and I'm actually now considering grad school. So well, I thought you were going to teach his classes. I, 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 sure. Charles mostly did for well, the for the past. Else I mean, does. ever since Michaela graduated, who else was going to do it? Well, <laughs> certainly not you. <laughs> yeah, someone's gotta. Someone's gotta. Um, wow! So grad school, huh? Uh, yeah. Uh, there. Like I said, the job market is disappearing. Um, I've been getting tons of, and this kind of connects back to like my inability to be doing any type of schoolwork right now is that like, I've been getting 15, I've gotten 15 rejection letters, emails from jobs. And I'm just like, Oh, cool. So some have just like postponed hiring. Some are like, we aren't hiring for X amount of time. And I just need some sort of plan so that's that's the that's the plan that was depressing we need a joke after that <laughs> samantha so, uh, she uh, do you what are you how are you like adjusting and then i'll go quickly and say where i'm at <laughs> um basically what hadar said is like exactly how i feel just like being at home it's a different environment um i have no idea what day it is what year it is. I've lost track of time completely. It's um, the day after 420. Yeah, thank you. Um, that's why I have no idea what's going on. There's just no, <laughs> there's just no, like, I feel like, points. <laughs> I feel like I'm constantly doing work and then I'm constantly behind. There's just no, like, contingency at all, but it's okay, you know. And, and don't you feel like you're putting all this time into the work and it's like half-assed even though you're doing all this stuff? Like that's yeah, or I feel like I exhausted. Feel like, like, and it's totally terrible anyway. Yep, and I feel like exhausted at the end of the day. I did like one thing. <laughs> but, you know. One forum post, it's nap time. Yeah. <laughs> one thing is, is good. That's all you need, really. One, yeah. one thing a day. Yeah, just one thing. But, you know, we're all in it together. We're all doing at least one thing That's yeah good. For sure. yeah so um i am actually starting grad school in about two weeks um i'm moving down to norfolk virginia to start grad school at old dominion university and my graduate assistantship was funded through the national park service and so i was supposed to spend 10 weeks this summer doing visitor use management research in the parks uh interviewing and working with visitors both foreign and domestic and obviously that is probably one of the most unsafe uh lines of research right now so i our data collection has been canceled my summer break trip was canceled 24 hours before i flew out um and as of right now i'm still starting my graduate assistantship in may and i'm starting two online classes um but yeah my summer has quickly fallen apart and i will be sitting in an apartment in norfolk doing what i'm doing right now <sighs> yeah okay, so just to round out that depression games Nice all right walls. um all right so i've got i'm gonna do uh some word association right so i'm gonna uh call you out i'm gonna give you a word and you just have to let us know the first thing that comes to your mind um eric 
Blossom. Daffodils. Aziza. Uh, extreme. Um, heights? I don't know. Uh, Lauren, albedo effect. Global warming. <laughs> Thanks for the softball. Um, yeah, exactly. Like, what else does that refer to? Uh, oh, you actually stole Adam's word, which was warming. Adam, warming. Of course I did. The albedo effect. Warming Animal House. John, Rick Perry. Gross. <laughs> First words. Uh, all right, very nice. Those are the five words that I have. Well done. That was stellar, Kurt. Like, I've got more games. Well, no, no, no. We we need to know what was what, what's the common theme through all of those. What? Why those five? Kurt is the common theme. Uh, these are yeah. These are things and people. These are things and people that I have hanging above my bed. What is wrong with you? <laughs> Never admit that. I'm kidding. <laughs> okay, do you want to play another game? I hope this is entertaining for the people out there. I'm upset I didn't get a word. Uh, right, but next, Charles. Um, okay, Charles and Hadar. All right, can you give us in 15 seconds, we're going to see who can give us the closest to the accurate definition for the word tagnaknek. Without the internet, you can't look it up, Charles. Tagnet. <laughs> I'd see. Charles. I know you can There's see his eyes mechanism. pacing around the screen. Like, Where's it's like my so. Phone? Yeah. Wait, from our, like we're like thinking about it. Tagnet neck. We need a hey, definition. Siri, define tag. No, <laughs> not loud. <laughs> Siri, shut up. Don't do it. <laughs> she couldn't understand the word. It's not a real word. Tagnet neck. It's a real word. A real word. Tagnet neck. How, how do you spell it? Yeah. Oh, my God, man. I got it. Please. T-A-G-N-E-G-H-N-E-Q. Tag-neck-neck. Are you? Is this another word you have hanging over your bed? Is it? This is something he keeps uh, under his bed. No, but I'm going to start using this in my everyday language because it's a word that's becoming obsolete. Uh, does it have yeah, something to do I... with social oh. interactions? I don't I can't even get this on my phone. <laughs> it's because your governor has blocked I your give phone. Up. I give up. <laughs> We're, Becoming um, obsolete, like like as in polar ice caps. Right, is like a body oh, of water. Lauren Eastwood is very close. Yeah, it's a body. I feel like it's a body of water. Very, very close, Lauren. Hadari, you're moving away a little bit. I'll give you 10 more seconds. It's been way worse. It's, it's, um, <laughs> it's a weather phenomenon. It's a place. Right. It's an animal. It's a species. It, it's something that's trapped in polar ice. Interesting. Interesting. It, it is the Yupik Eskimo word for thick weathered ice, which is becoming obsolete. It's not like it was, a Native, it was like a Native American word. Both Here's the, the thing, ice and both the ice itself and the word is becoming obsolete. Mm. Well, so the word is used Wait, in is conversation. Wait, this is cheering us up? Yeah, this is... <laughs> what? This is, <laughs> this is cheering us up? up. What? Uh, okay. Yeah, this, this is, is cheering us up. I mean, okay. 
All right, Lauren, you, Lauren, you're next. You and Samantha are next. Why can't I go against Lauren? Please. <laughs> oh, all right. <laughs> oh fine, 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 fine. Lauren, you're off the hook. Samantha and Michaela, this is you. <laughs> Okay. okay. Have you seen Lauren and I try to ride a tandem bike? It wouldn't go. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, I, I think Lauren broke her ribs in that experience. Not broken, just busted the cartilage a bit. Yeah. Okay, I'm sure the oh people who God. are watching this, though, are going to want to see pictures that. of that. So let's get pictures of that, please. Yeah, we need pictures. Wait, I've got a you're video. Like, you're I like shitty background. Just Perfect. <laughs> All right. All right. Um, so who 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 is this? This is Samantha and Michaela. Your word <laughs> is Isla Dijon Charles. Isla Gidon Charles. Well, will you pronounce it differently both times? Yeah. <laughs> I pronounced matter. it perfectly both times. <laughs> Isla Dijon Charles. Is it a place? It is a it is a place. I'll give you that hint. It's a place. And what am I? And, and these, all of these words, all the words I'm giving you are important words to know about climate change. Uh, words and, and places. Is it my island of mustard? Like, <laughs> That's exactly. <laughs> <I love> <laughs> on me. Like, do I have my own private mustard island? Because that'd be awesome. Has this island disappeared? Uh, that is a very good association. I don't quite know the answer specifically to that question, but you're on Sinking the right Islands. Track. Basically, Sinking you're Island. She's basically I think you should go with the mustard route. Like, I think that's <laughs> spot on. But that's just me, fam. Uh, all right, 10 seconds. Mustard oh, Island. Damn. That's what I'm going with. <laughs> that's what I originally thought. <laughs> Sinking Mustard Island. Sinking, sinking mustard so, Island. Samantha, you're going with Sinking Mustard Island? Sure. Okay, yeah. that's that's very. I'm getting good. a nod that's from Lauren. I feel like she's on my side. That's very good. And and I was just watching our maybe, video of us on the bike. Maybe. Uh, oh. <laughs> I um, didn't know there was a we, video. And Michaela, do you have a guess? Samantha's going with sinking mustard island. Yeah, a sinking a sinking island. I I don't. I'll disassociate well, I mean, them. I island is actually sinking. That. I think it's just the sea level is rising. Right, but there's also a phenomenon of like sinking islands. Yeah, but is that related to climate? Well, rising sea levels, right? Right. So the island itself isn't sinking; it's just appearing to sink. You, you know what is sinking? Our economy. Oh, I thought you were sinking IQ. What a great transition, Charles! With every minute, Charles, your chances of success. Uh, all right, Isla D. I see this going nowhere further, and so Isla <laughs> Dijon Charles is the the a town in Louisiana. It was the first town in the United States to receive federal funding to relocate from rising sea levels. Ooh, everyone should listen to Floodlines by The Atlantic. It's a great podcast about Hurricane Katrina, but that's mm. just a random random note. Also, want to clarify? It's not Island Dijon Charles. It's Island. It's like Isla de Jean Charles. Like it's. So Are it's you questioning Dijon. my my pronunciation? Yes. yes. It's the, really? the yeah. Isle of really. Jean Charles. <laughs> huh. Four years. I grew of up in the Bayou. I, <laughs> I grew up in in the Bayou of Iowa. Seriously, <laughs> <laughs> wasn't it Iowa the yeah. Corn Bayou? <laughs> All right. So, um, 
Eric and John, are you ready? Ready. <clears throat> okay. Your word is waru. Waru. W-A-R-U. Waru. And that like Tagnagnek, it is an indigenous word to a particular cultural group. Uh, permafrost. Interesting. <laughs> Go opposite, John. Go opposite. Yeah. An, an indigenous word to describe global warming or the effects on uh, on crops uh, due to global warming. I think it Waru. involves fire oh, yeah. Go ahead, in Australia. It's what? Fires in Australia. Are you searching the internet? I'm not. I would I'm like guessing. to adopt Lauren's answer. Is it has to do with Aboriginal <laughs> peoples in Australia and their language uh, and their words to describe the fires in Australia? It so is. Eastwood. It is. Well done. <laughs> Eastwood got my back. Lauren, you're back on my team. <laughs> I took her back. All right, and last to, for the Royal Rumble, oh, uh, Adam and Lauren, your <laughs> word is gulo gulo g-u-l-o g-u-l-o okay this involves the amazon rainforest i was thinking the african content personally nope nope definitely hey, they were once connected if we look at this handy map <laughs> we'll see that they fit together like puzzle pieces Carl's very what? professional with if the late night for the planet theory. Zoom background. Thank you. Uh, Some of one of us had to be professional. <laughs> <laughs> I'm surprised it was me. So, Kurt, why don't you explain why Adam's wrong? Uh, I I can explain that you're both wrong. We keep oh, the word again. Snap. Can Gulo, Gulo. We have a we have an answer from the Facebook Live audience. Yeah, I thought we might guess that it is an animal. Uh, Danielle Garneau, um, I am going to like that. <laughs> Danielle Garneau gets a big like. She's on She's on my team now. <laughs> hey, who gave you first drop pick? <laughs> I called a lifeline, all right? Yeah, so you just got it from Danielle. Woo! So it's wow, an she makes up the rules as she goes. She did this last time too. I'll give you. I'll give you one. I'll give you a hint, and that hint is Logan. Airport. Oh, 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 no. I was thinking Logan's Run. Was, I mean, does it die yeah. in third? No. Danielle and I are both from Massachusetts, so that's kind of mean, Kurt. What are you acting over? Oh, it's a wolverine! <laughs> it is. It's the scientific name for wolverine, a threatened male. Logan! Danielle also said on Facebook. Wait, where, where does Logan come in? Logan, Wolverine, the X-Men. TV show. Ah. Or movie, actually. Ah. Oh, I'm so out of touch. Hey, Michaela, what did she say? <laughs> Danielle said, think really mean Alaska animal. <laughs> oh, well, that would have been a dead giveaway. I, I was going to say Shannon Thayer said Marvel. <laughs> oh, yep, yep. It was really Charles going like this that got it for me. Thank you. <laughs> Why did nobody think of Michigan? Like, not one person said Michigan. I'm hanging out with the uh, Michigan Wolverines. Come on. 
because well, after after Flint, we no longer say that word. We call it the, we call it the state that looks like a mitten. I think it's Kurtz, Iowa, like anti other Midwestern state bias. Yeah, China. yeah, it's, it's complete yeah. bias. Like not one person. So um, that was fun. I yeah. have, <laughs> oh, I can I go on, Charles. I've got more. Oh, I think it'd be cool if we shift the topic a little bit to okay. some of the political stuff that's been going on right now. And one of the things that has been really gnawing at me is- Like a wolverine? <laughs> yeah, just like tearing the flesh off my legs. Not a lot of the time, just a little bit at a time. So it's like obnoxious. Um, is the- is the way that the government has been handling the economic relief packages over the past couple of weeks. Um, I still haven't gotten my stimulus and I know a bunch of other college students that are claimed as dependents aren't gonna be receiving stimulus checks either, which is wild. Um, I'm sorry for all of you guys. Um, but what's super interesting to me is there was an article recently in the LA Times about how we could use these economic packages as a way to promote renewable energy development. And I was just wondering what thoughts that you guys had on that being a possibility, politically. Oh, politically. <laughs> or any, That's like, true. what are your thoughts on that? There's. <laughs> um, the, in, in the article, it talks a little bit about, um, and I was just, uh, a wee little kid back in 2008, um, but it talked about how in the, sorry, it talked about still, how- But you still had that beard, right? Yeah, I, I had the beard, I'll, I'll share pictures. Um, no, I was a scrawny little child. Um, <laughs> what else has, hasn't <laughs> hey. changed? Um, but in, that art, in the article, it talks a little bit about how in the, Recovery Act of 2009, the Obama administration put in some great incentives that has led to the growth in the renewable sector that we've seen today. Um, and the author tries to make the argument that if we want to have any type of progress in the next decade, we need to seize this opportunity now. What are your thoughts on that? I no, I mean, I think this is an amazing point. I, I keep reading these articles that are sort of um, posing this question, you know, everything's broken. What are we going to build out of it? Are we going to build the future that we want? Are we going to build, you know, something that's actually positive? And then, and then I make the mistake of getting on Twitter and see like Trump is <laughs> tweeting about the fact that he's, he's got the oil industries back. <laughs> So yeah, I'm a little discouraged. And by that, I mean, I'm fucking discouraged um, about, you know, the prospects. But on the other hand, I do see this, like everywhere I look, there is sort of a groundswell of interest in building a better future. So that's my mm -hmm. only hope. But I did, I was hoping this would come up in this conversation because I wanted to see, you know, I'm only in my head these days. And so how other people are thinking about this. Like, do we have mm. opportunities, maybe not even just around environmental issues, but around all of the things that have been really broken for a while? Like, do we have opportunities now to rebuild things in ways that we would want? So, so there is a real world now and a real world in January, we hope. The real world now, 
next January, 2021. Yeah. I Inauguration mean, day. Exactly. You know, but the real world until then says we are a fossil fuel nation and we're going to do everything to prop up oil because they're giving it away, literally giving it away. So an article written last month or two months ago or three months ago, I'm not familiar with the article you're citing, Charles, but, but the circumstances around it are radically different. We are giving oil away. There's yeah. no room, there's, there's no economic model in the world that says renewable energy can compete in that environment. You're giving away free energy. Now, if things don't turn out the way many of us hope in November, they're still gonna be giving oil away at less than $2 a gallon when you fill up your, your tank of gas. And there is still no room for renewable energy, no matter what the stimulus. God willing, there are changes in November and, and it's a different world. But until then, there's no room. Sorry. But don't you think maybe on like a, a sort of ground-based level from communities, I mean, like just like looking at my Twitter feed, the stuff that doesn't piss me off, you, the, you know, the movement for food sovereignty is now, like people growing gardens and, and actually, I mean, this is why I tried to get online and buy some seeds and they're all sold out for weeks and weeks because people are saying, holy shit. I got to grow some food because I don't have an income. No, rich white people, middle-class white people are saying that. You know, the reality is I can go a mile and a half down the road and there's public, there's, there's affordable housing, public housing projects, use the words you wish, you know, where there are families of four and six in one bedroom with a small refrigerator and they are starving. And the lines at the food banks are ridiculous and they don't have property on which to grow food. Um, no, no, I totally agree with that. I absolutely that's I'm not discounting that. I guess I'm just sort of thinking, yes, there's this bleak reality that's sort of a top down reality and that and there is a bleak reality that people are experiencing on a day to day basis. But there's also perhaps the opportunity for something different. I, I do think that big moments like this, you know, are often the impetus for big policy changes. Um, and, you know, I think that there's a parallel here to, you know, like Naomi Klein's book, Shock Doctrine, is all about man-made disasters that were, oh, there it is. Everybody should read Exhibit it. Exhibit A. Um, how, um, how big government, big government have used have created disasters in order to create political space to push through revolutionary policies, um, often policies that I think many of us don't agree with. Um, and so it's a kind of tactic of manipulation, but I think that big um, natural disasters, which I think we can put coronavirus in that category, even though it's not quite the same as a hurricane or a tornado or an earthquake or something, can be the launching pad for big policy change as well I do think that Adam may be right that in this scenario, at least in the United States, we are probably not going to use this moment to our advantage. Um, hopefully there are other places around the world that do. Um, but I do think that this is a, you know, a wake up call on lots of things. One thing that I think is really interesting about this moment is how for the sustainability movement and the environmental movement, how this has kind of shined a light on 
the connection between public health and sustainability, right? I mean, a public health crisis literally shut the college down or shut every college down across the country. It didn't quite shut us down, but um, you know, you get the point and has shut most things down. And so if we're talking about sustainability, holy cow, we gotta be talking about public health and we don't often do that. I think kind of going back to the more of what I think was the original question, um, that I think that there is, I know that I kind of think this way sometimes where like there's, you know, there's the federal government and that's kind of it. Like, you know, I live in New York state, but like the federal government is like the one that influences me the most. And that's just like not true. Um, and actually I was um, just watching the recording of the BARD webinar from last week or whatever. And they were talking about how like, um, you know, maybe this is like an, an opportunity to like, I think there's like discussion of like, of more like a state level of using this as an opportunity to like, when we're reinvesting to like reinvest in like with kind of clean energy and with like kind of a green future in mind. Um, I think so like not to focus necessarily on the federal government, which like is also really, really important, but you know, if, if there's gonna be more of a positive response on the local and state level to like not to forget that and to not um, kind of to put some of our energy there because it deserves it and it's important and it affects, you know, not necessarily on a global scale, but like on an individual scale, like affects us more and can have, especially in New York state. And for those of us who live here, like we're really, really lucky that like, for the most part, like our governor's doing a good job and, you know, keeping, keeping things, you know, kind of under control and we have potential for green energy and things like that. Like that not to lose sight of those positive things kind of closer to home. To go off of what Charles was saying too, I also think it's, I always try to put myself in the perspective of someone who is not focused on the environment for, you know, 40 hours a week of their life. Um, and so like, I think for a lot of like regular everyday people, especially people who are still struggling to get unemployment benefits, struggling to get small business loans, mm -hmm. they don't know where their next paycheck is coming through that, you know, like my boyfriend is trying to jump through the hoops of unemployment right now. And we'll be going to Virginia in two weeks. They're on lockdown till June 15th. So I think in terms of like real life, you know, today, I don't think a lot of normal people, I'm not normal, people who are not focused on the environment can put that in their heads as their space for this right now. And so I think to the everyday person seeing renewable energy as an inclusive part of a stimulus package doesn't really make sense to them when they're struggling, they don't have money, and unemployment rates are skyrocketing. Yep. And I think that that what Michaela just said is important for the way that <clears throat> proposals for a Green New Deal have been developed, where it's linking mm -hmm. uh, transformations with regards to environmental policy and energy policy to mass public employment policies as well. And I mean, if there's ever a time to uh, borrow against near zero or zero percent interest rates as a federal or to Hadar's point, state government, um, and uh, have lots of people who are unemployed to Michaela's point um, or to Charles's point from earlier and link this with a kind of uh, a large scale environmental policy like this seemingly is the time to do it. You know, but I share the kind of pessimism that at the very least with this Senate and this president that's not happening at the federal level. Mm -hmm. Kind of interesting to see what what places you know around the world are doing um i've been sort of following people who are interested in um sort of 
alternative transportation models and how it is that we've become really car-based societies. Um, and so some of these moves to um, open up spaces for people to be able to get outside um, and changing roadways to um, bike or walking. And then mm -hmm. some cities are saying they're gonna keep it that way, like that they wanna institutionalize this. Um, and so one of the women I follow on Twitter who does research in this area is compiling all this um, information about places that are actually trying to change their infrastructure, take this as an opportunity to say, yeah, well, we we can sort of transform things. And I guess that's kind of what I was getting at with the garden mm -hmm. example, uh, just sort of maybe not seeing it as only a top down or a bottom up, but can we look at all these sort of um, places for opportunity? Um, mm -hmm. There, there are places out there in every sector of the broader economy, whether it's food or transportation or energy or a dozen other major sectors. We in America, for the first time, arguably in our history, do not have that vision, that initiative I would argue even even the the ability to innovate relative to other nations. We have historically been the world leader in X, Y, or Z. We're not. So I guess my question more than a statement is where is that leadership in the world now? Who do we look at as visionary who could use this moment in time? to shift from the norm. I have a name in mind, but only one, which is a real commentary on our global leadership. Maybe, I, no, I take that back. I have three. But, but where do you see that ability to take this moment and transform it in ways that I fully believe America is incapable of doing? I, I personally don't see that, at least speaking for my own experience, I don't see that grand vision from any of the major governments, any of the major players. I don't think that that's, I think we're approaching a period of time where governments, giant like nations aren't going to be able to solve the complexity of the issues that we're facing alone. And I think I, we're starting to see a lot more leadership and a lot more of that vision from non-governmental organizations, from individual states across the United States, and from certain parts of like the market, from like certain businesses and stuff, um, which I, I don't know if that's a good direction, if that's going to be a direction that will actually work. But that's how it seems to me to be moving. Charles, I'm curious then where you, you see you see it in, in in the NGO world. And I'm just playing devil's advocate because it's fun and we're all, you know, close to yeah. family. So so what organizations, what NGOs, what states, where where is that visionary? Where where do I find her or him? I I'm seeing it more so with like the youth climate movement and stuff. So you see it with like the sunrise movement, uh, the youth climate movement. Um, 
and states like Washington, California, and New York, which are really pioneering, uh, moving, trying to push stuff in a better direction. I'm, I'm not saying, I, I don't see it from any one place in any form that is substantive enough to solve any of the problems that we face. And I think that's the problem. I mean, another piece of the problem might be that we're still working on this kind of archaic model of economic superpowers defining policy. So we are saying, okay, now it's China who is defining our worldview, or they're the ones who have the power to sort of create the world. But again, I guess I would, I want to push back on that. I mean, obviously, that's the case in terms of, of these larger sort of frameworks. Um, but is there a way in which, you know, actual people on the ground in locations can be resisting the mechanisms of this global growth-based economy that's clearly fucked up? And I see a lot of people who are resisting that. And those are the visionaries, in my opinion. I don't know. I, I guess I'm not sure. Adam, do you mean like a person or a, or a country or... Like when you say so, so I can I can see and I'll go out on a limb. People have every possible view on politics and leadership. I can see an Angela Merkel doing something in this environment that shifts us in some way. Maybe it's on energy. I might be able to squint and see Mr. Trudeau leading in a very different way towards some shift in, again, any number of issues. Um, I can squint and see Monsieur Macron leading in some way, but the global leadership on the whole in my mind is devoid of vision and the ability to muster enough momentum to drive change. But so you just listed heads of state and that's the whole issue. Like why, why heads of state? Wait, Michaela, you wanna say something? Um, so I was just gonna say, I just to like kind of feed the discussion a little bit. Um, I saw an article last week and it was basically analyzing the differences in the handling of the coronavirus uh, with male-led countries versus female-led countries and just to see like where those um, differences laid in terms of their response, the quickness of it and things like that. Um, and I just think that's interesting because I we don't often see um, women leaders in the world and what a world half run by women would look like. And so I think as we're talking about people to look for for leaders, I think that that's a good area to start. Can I ask you some of the findings that that article were, if you remember them? So a lot of them were um, about like timeliness um, and basically like the seriousness of responses and also just like the directiveness and organization of it. Um, so it was it was a pretty in-depth article. I think it was by the New York Times. I'm not positive, but um, but it was interesting. And, you know, I'm not saying that there's like definite findings and saying that, you know, a woman is definitely responding to this better, but it's just interesting to look at those differences in leadership. John, this sounds like it might be your wheelhouse. 
I mean, I am more interested as you are, Lauren, in kind of what and others, what are like the on the ground resistant responses to a lack of global leadership or lack of leadership at heads of state, right? Um, you know, so whether it's the Sunrise Movement, as I believe Charles pointed out, whether it's other kind of global youth-led actions, whether it's indigenous peoples um, around the world, right, who are offering not only kind of alternative, we might call policies, but alternative like philosophies of the environment, uh, which is not going to lead to, you know, even if Joe Biden is elected, he's not going to turn to indigenous peoples to enact climate or environmental policy. And that's the tragedy uh, on some level. But I think that kind of the energy for large scale transformation, right? I mean, any large radical transformation requires radical social movements to push it. And there are places around the world um, by people who are oftentimes most disparately and directly affected by the consequences of global warming and public health crises and so on. Um, and so that, that's the place that I want to look to for vision. John, you mentioned like a massive social change movement. And this is something that I've been trying to grapple with like as an environmental movement that we've had an interesting time trying to frame our narrative so we can push this movement and grow and actually make some effective change. Um, tomorrow is the 50th anniversary of Earth Day. And in the past 50 years, I just think it would be interesting if we could talk about how far we've come, what are some of the things that we have seen done in that time, and what are like the three things that we can do this year in the next couple of years to push it forward. So I'm, I'm distracted by Michaela's cat. <laughs> Me too. I'm like, wait, what did you say? <laughs> well, let's take a break. <laughs> Look at the cat. <laughs> yeah, so Who is this? Hello, Kitty. Her name is Nala. She's adorable. Uh. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, so I, so I, I guess as a political scientist, I'm supposed to help answer this question. Um, I mean, I, th I think in terms of, so Charles, are you thinking kind of like at a broad scale or like a kind of individual, like as a person responding I'm, I'm to thinking, the crisis? So I, I'm trying to think on, let's start broad and work our way down. Um, I'm interested to see, so like one of the things that I've been really interested in is how we can utilize the markets and utilize like technology to push it forward and try to get change in that way. Um, but what are some of the other ways that we can push the movement forward? Rely on markets as minimally as possible yes. because the ethics of market, you know, it's, it's a yeah. fact that we're in a market-based society, but the, 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 the end, the uh, purpose of markets is profit. The purpose of markets is not mm -hmm. to protect the environment. So mi minimize the reliance on markets to kind of deliver environmental good. Mm -hmm. So, so I'm just, you Which, know, I, that, a very, very non-specific solution. Yeah. Non-solution solution. I don't have a solution to offer to that, but I feel like something that has changed over the years is, you know, when the first Earth Day happened, people were a lot more like 
radical about their beliefs. Like now you see something that you agree with and like that gets you riled up and you're like, oh, like on Facebook. But then it was like, no, like we're going to go out there. We're going to do something. We're going to like, you know, like show up for what we believe in. And I feel like that maybe is on the upswing now, but I feel like since the, that time period definitely declined a bit. So, so I, like, I so. Oh, go ahead, Samantha. I'm sorry. No, that was like the end of my thought. So, so yeah. So I will take what you just said. I, I agree. I would say one thing that we can all do to move things forward is building on what Samantha said is to get out of our echo chambers, which didn't exist in the same way that they exist now because we didn't have as many media choices. Media wasn't as accessible at the touch of a finger on your phone. You didn't have the ability to ignore media that you didn't like um, in the same way that you do now. You know, your choices are tracked and so you're only fed the media that you tend to read and agree with. Um, so maybe one thing is if, if is just to like re-energize the conversation with some dynamism to it, um, which maybe we do by getting out of our echo chambers. I can interject, Aziza. I'm kind of wondering like what your experience is in terms of like the conversations or the media you consume or do or don't consume with regards to kind of environmental debates and environmental issues and like, what does that discourse like look like for you and your peers and your friends? Um, I feel like it's a really generational thing to be on the same page when it comes to environmental issues. Um, like we're all fed the same media on like Twitter, Instagram and stuff like that. And I know all my friends and I, we're all pretty much on the same page. And I feel like maybe not most, but a lot of people our age are on the same page. And like um, Samantha, Samantha, I think, like Samantha was saying, um, when it comes to consuming media like that, it's, um, it, how do I word it? It's, I feel like we don't really do much about it. I mean, the thing is, no, 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 that's not true because there are a lot of youth climate um, organizations, a lot, youth are doing things, but the thing is, um, I feel like a majority of us just, don't because it's so easy to look at it, uh, take it in, and then move on to the next thing, you know? Um, but, well, yeah. Something that I've noticed has changed also is that I think the, the scale of the issues that we're talking about has shifted from rivers on fire, pesticides, stuff that was a bit more yeah. tangible and people had direct contact with uh, to these big complex things that when you talk to an average person about it, it's overwhelming and depressing clearly. Um, and I think that adds to it. My question is, is now that we can't congregate and march and protest the way we used to, how are we supposed to change? Like, how are we supposed to put pressure on the people in charge in a virtual format like this. Call your representatives. Vote. <laughs> That's it. Vote. Be yeah, part of a vote. social movement. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. We've got some comments online about these uh, these topics. So we've got a comment from uh, Jay Bassett 
um, who first says, Adam, thanks for the invite. There is no one entity that can solve this. Shared responsibility across all sectors is a must. We have a comment from Chris Evans, who some of you might know. Chris Evans was a student at SUNY Plattsburgh. He graduated maybe four or five years ago, and he's now a biologist with the state of South Carolina with the Department of Natural Resources, uh, studying, I think, right whales and sea turtles. Um, he says Leonardo DiCaprio to the rescue. Uh, <laughs> that's so 1990. Chris, Chris Evans is oh, a jokester now, and he was a jokester then. <laughs> no, that's actually a really good point, and we are so quick to dismiss it. I'm not dismissing it. No, no, no. I meant we as a as a as a populist, but but you know nobody cares what Adam Saslo thinks. Well, that's not even my fiance, not my kids, not anybody. <laughs> but Leonardo DiCaprio, if he says the same thing, oh my God, the world changes. And maybe that's the answer in part, with all due respect to Jay, in, in part, maybe that's the answer is that, to, to the question I posed earlier, where is the leadership? Because it's not in our political system right now. It's somewhere else. So it may be, Adam, that, I mean, you know, I think there's some truth to that. I don't think it's Leonardo DiCaprio, but I do think that that uh, Bill Gates and the Warren Buffetts and the Elon Musks do have a major role to play. And they have stepped up in the past several years in different occasions. Um, I don't know that they can give the kind of sustained support and uh, sustain the revolution that needs to occur. But I think I that think they do play a major role. Kurt, that's that might be true. I, I've we did on Pop the Planet, we did an episode about billionaire philanthropy and solving complex problems and the ethics behind it. If these billionaire capitalists made their money in a way and profited off of a system that's broken and contributing to the problems. And they continue to profit off of the system that contributes to the problems. Is it in their ultimate interest and can they solve the problem? Like that's just a, an, an ethical question that like we as a movement, do we want to look to the Mike Bloomberg's, the Buffett, the Gates, the Elon Musk's, to solve our problems. And do we want to celebritize something that is really important? I mean, I think that that's the kind of going off of what John was saying, the problem with markets, the problem with celebrities is also you're dealing with these people who, yeah, they could be the goodwill ambassador to whatever, but it's also, it just makes it very, um, it brings it into that same realm of just um, scapegoating. Yeah, well, or, or it just takes dramatizing the, things in a way that, that it, I mean, I don't know. Lauren, you're talking to a, a team that created the most well-known environmental late night talk show <laughs> in the history of the planet. So clearly the answer is yes. <laughs> you're right. Oh, oh yeah. Um, and to you've go been to, on it twice. Oh, I'm <laughs> a celebrity. True. Um, to go back to some of our Facebook comments, um, Mary Aldred said, relevant to Michaela's point, I think we often don't hear the names of effective leaders because they are so good at collaborative efforts. Um, mm -hmm. So that's a great point. 
Uh, Troy commented, Troy Tatro, and said that connectivity between scientists doing research and policymakers and activists is a good start. And we also had Danielle who said, look at Jane Fonda. Yeah, good point. I mean, people <laughs> are getting arrested. People are out there like doing activism. And frankly, you know, indigenous peoples are on the front line of this. And if we're not seeing it, it's just because our news isn't covering it. So I think stuff is going on still. I would argue that that there's a lot of activism going on. It's just we don't necessarily see it. And, and that's Charles, what I would say we should really push forward is the activism. I think also like big picture, like, you know, as in not the next two, six months, but um, like beyond that, like kind of, um, I can't remember who commented uh, what you said by Kayla, but like maybe it was Troy, um, like to not like kind of get into like the silo or to, to I think to break out of like the siloed kind of activism or, or progress it when it's made is, is made um, is, is a big step. Like, you know, not everyone can do everything and to have a diverse group of people, both in terms of like, you know, demographically, but also like where they come from and their primary interests and stuff, I think is really important. And also I think there is a place um, or there, there can be a place for people who are like celebrities to, you know, if you're, I think if there's any way to reach more people that might not be engaged otherwise, that isn't doing like, you know, harm, obviously, it mm -hmm. should be taken, right? Like, you know, anything that kind of brings media awareness or brings like financial kind of um, just bring, brings funds to a cause, I think I think is, is something that should be, you know, seriously considered and like, unless there's like, you know, a, I think everything in moderation, but also like everything, right? That we can have and they can throw at this. So the, you, Lauren, you brought up having more activism and Hadar, you brought up getting those activists that have some media attention. And all I can think about is how the indigenous groups and how the corporate media are not shining a spotlight onto this activism that is actively shining spotlight on the problems with capitalism. And so in a I, I hate to use it, but like in a media ecosystem that is designed to ensure the benefit of capitalism, how do we get out of that? How do we kind of break that so we can talk to people who might not have the same beliefs as us? What do we do to have a conversation with someone on the other side? Start a podcast. <laughs> That's what I did. It's not... It's all right, I guess. I think Charles, have you seen all the jokes about all these white guys and their podcasts? Yeah, yeah, I have. <laughs> My girlfriend shows them to me maybe three times a day. Okay, just so, I mean, it's not you, of course. Hey, I did it before quarantine, so <laughs> that's actually true. I saw one of the sold out items on Amazon. Uh-oh, did we lose Michaela? Oh, no. She the sold right out item on Amazon great... was... Yeah. Can you hear me? Oh, yeah, we got you. Yeah, we have you now, Michaela. Yeah, so um, podcasts, like microphones for computers, were <laughs> sold out on Amazon. Yep. <laughs> so many, everyone's starting a podcast. Not everyone, <laughs> just white guys. Uh, nifty little point on that. Uh, overall podcast listenership declined by like 40% because 
people aren't commuting no one's anymore. In their car. Because they're no trying one's to listening make their to own. Because everybody's at home making their own podcast. <laughs> uh, I think I'm, I might start a podcast. I'm about just podcasts. making sourdough bread. <laughs> Adam, you see, before you had a point, uh, you yeah, so, you're going to so, say something. So this is I I am a and to my daughter's dismay, daughter's is dismay. I'm a, an avid Facebook poster. Um, as, as Eric and Kurt are well aware. And um, oh. I talk often about mm -hmm. the adult conversation, you mm -hmm. know, and so the question you posed is, is essentially how do we have that with opposing sides? And, and I think that the answer lies in not trying to answer the question at hand, but rather in starting at an earlier stage, whether that's core values you know, or, or joint fact finding. The problem that this culture that we're amidst is having in large part is due to a divisive leadership, but also to the fact that we have so much information coming at us that nobody has time to digest enough. And so the common exchange that is visible on CNN, MSNBC, Fox News, or here starts with, this is my perspective and here's my fact. And somebody says, here's my fact. And then this person says, you're an idiot. There's no depth. There's no, um, there's no robustness to the conversation. There's no exchange of let me see the world through your lens and I'll show it to you through mine. And we can disagree, but let me see your facts so that I can make a more rational, more informed decision, or we can have a more informed debate. We immediately go past that first level to you're stupid. You wear a label that is not mine and we personalize the discussion and attack on a personal level rather than looking at facts or information or view shed or, or anything other than, you know, you're an idiot because you don't agree. We've lost the ability to have a diplomatic informed discussion and be able to walk away from it knowing you can have a difference in opinion. Sorry, rant. Oh, I think you're. I think you're right, Adam. I, I definitely think you're right on that. It's so easy to just call someone an idiot and dismiss them and, and move on, though. It is. We love the easy way out in the oh, environmental movement. Yeah. Also, I'm curious, as like for the non-college students, as like adults, do you see people changing their minds? Often, when like certain like when these subjects come up, like do you see people actually switch? their view because as a, like a young person, it can be difficult to have these conversations with people for, like older from different generation because they're so set in their ways. So is that something that you too experience with your peers? Okay, so, so I'll give you a real world example. The short answer is rarely. The long answer um, is is real world experience in the winter on a on a topic of of extreme controversy in the West. I, I was 
thrown into um, managing several public meetings on grazing. Um, and, and for those of you who are historians, there was a guy named Bundy a few years back who showed up with a militia on, in, in BLM offices and said, you know, we're going to do what we want on public land. We're not going to pay. We're not going to do anything. So the grazing issue has been a big one ever since. And we staged these meetings and, and we had cattle ranchers and wild horse um, protection folks, all, everybody on all sides of the issue. And all they wanted was to, to get information, good information, and to be able to talk to somebody and say, this is my perspective. And they were willing to walk away from an adult conversation and say, look, we all have differences of opinion. You, government, we pay tax dollars. We trust in you to make the right decision with the best information. Now you have it. We may win, we may lose, but we had our opportunity to show you the world through our lens. I think inherently, we all want to be heard, right? Even in a classroom, you want to be heard. You want the professor to hear your argument, read your argument. Professor may or may not agree, but you want that day to make your case. And I think the citizens around our country largely feel the same. Give us a fair opportunity to show you the world through our lens. And at the end of the day, if 51% goes the other way, okay, we can accept that. We were, we were allowed to fight fair. So I'm encouraged by that. I'm discouraged by the rhetoric and, and the belief that people have inherently now, which says, my way or the highway and anybody who doesn't agree can go to hell. In terms of the climate movement and, and the climate crisis and addressing it, I think there's also something to be said for like, I think Laura might've been talking about this a little bit before, but like reframing what it's actually about, like kind of where, like how, however many steps back it takes, like where are we on the same page, right? Like, so one, the way that I kind of think about this is like, the reason that I'm studying what I'm studying, the reason that I want to do what I want to do is to like minimize human suffering, right? Like no one that I want to have a conversation with wants to minimize human, wants to like have people suffer, right? Like the vast majority of people, I can only hope and assume don't want people to suffer unnecessarily, right? And so if we understand that that's something that we, we agree on and like maybe we disagree on like how to get there, but like fundamentally that's kind of what we all want, right? And like I would hope that like people, you know, in government in power also feel that way. And so that is kind of like a, a, a very like preliminary step to like being able to like feel like you can engage in a conversation, I think is with whatever issue it is, um, is maybe like a good place to start. But I'll let you know once I try it out more. <laughs> Some comments from our Facebook. Um, Andrew said, Samantha makes a great point. That's why activists like Greta are so important because they educate and mobilize young people, even if it goes against their household beliefs. Mary Aldred also made a good point. She said, I think it's difficult to know because the more loudly people express their opinions, the less likely they are to publicly slash vocally acknowledge that they were wrong. But we have stats that show that public opinion on a topic does change. Yeah. I, I, I want to come back to Hader for one second and say, I agree with you. I think that core value is strong. But what I see out in the world is I don't want people to suffer 
as long as it doesn't cost me anything. And that makes me sad. Which is why I don't think the issue is just like talking things out. And I know this is our fundamental problem that we had in the first show. But um, yeah, I just feel like there are so many dynamics that are organizing how people see the world that aren't just about, well, if we sit down and just discuss things and get heard, then we can all walk away from it and it's going to be better. I just, I don't know. I, I think there are broader issues that are organizing our public discourse in a way that doesn't allow us to articulate things in as complex as they actually are. Um, Keep going. I, I want to, I, I agree with you. I want to hear more. What should we do differently? Well, so we should vote and we should insist on not having like a society that's entirely based on these little sound bites of information and we should fund education frankly because people don't have critical thinking skills because they've been taught to take standardized tests and of course they can't think about things if they're just worried about which like a b c or d none of the above i mean i yeah i think the whole the whole thing needs to be revisited from soup to nuts and it's not just about sitting down at a kitchen table and having a conversation about your views in my humble opinion. <laughs> so look, y'all, we are almost at an hour and a half. Um, if, you know, if we're just hanging out at a bar, we can go all night. I don't know where y'all are. I hate to close this out because um, this is this has been an awesome conversation. Uh, do you mean I made Down those taboo cards for nothing? Lauren made a game. I asked Lauren to make a game and At we should play it. As we yeah. Wait, gave... wait, wait. 7.30 p.m. or a.m.? Oh, p.m. P.m. Probably a little Kurt. bit after, actually. Kurt, are you surprised? Kurt, you're part of the professor problem. <laughs> I'm all of the problem, Charles. I'm not part of it. I'm all of it. <laughs> So let's let's play. let's play Lauren's game. Thank you. Yes, yes let's Crying do it. Out loud. I agree. I agree. Let's I pulled that it. shit together. <laughs> All right. So you're gonna explain how it works, Kurt. Who's gonna? Okay. Close so their eyes? so I asked Lauren to make us some taboo cards, and so if you know the game taboo, one person has a word that they are trying to get the rest of the of the of the team to guess and there are some words that they can't say and so they have to kind of dodge around the words they can't say to get their team to say the words that they um to the word the word that they want so here's what we're going to do um michaela eric and samantha you're going to close your eyes and don't peek and lauren is going to show the rest of us the words and um, John is going to be the 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 speaker on this one. So oh, no. Lauren's going to flash the card, John, and you can so, see if you can see what it is. And then Michaela and Eric and Samantha will try to guess. So Michaela, Eric, and Samantha, you got to close your eyes or uh, cover your screen or whatever you're doing there. So right. So the card's going to show you what you're supposed to get at, and then the words you can't say. All right. All right. I'm going to share my screen, but don't look, you guys. 
Why is this not working? Oh, this is very. Oh, I you probably have to turn. It. Somebody has to turn. Uh, I'm, I'm on it. I'm on it. Don't. Uh, okay, go. I think you can do it now. Technical no. difficulties. I called oh. it. Um, is it working? Yep. Yeah, it's going. Okay, hang on. We need. Okay. So, can you see that? Um. Oh yes. <sighs> <laughs> so I mean, you, you, that that that's some good words that you chose there, Thank Lauren, you. because they are because uh, uh, they are the words I would have gone with. <laughs> Gee, why? All right, let me let me write down my taboo words. Oh, good. Yeah, I'm not exactly sure what Facebook is seeing while we do this. They're seeing the screen. They're they seeing, are. Okay, sorry. Lauren's All right. Screen. Um. Can I use synonyms for one of these words? <laughs> or more than one? Yeah. You okay. Can, yeah. Okay. All right. Let's Laura, do this. can you stop sharing so that because uh, you wrote them down, John? How do I? Yes. All right. Did I pause it? You just need to go back to the to the top. It says stop sharing. It says sharing is paused. Oh, stop share. Ooh, there you go. Today I learned. Right. <laughs> Hopefully, we're still alive on Facebook. Yeah. All right. I can look again. You can look again, right? Yes, you can look again, Samantha. Just don't look at Facebook. Yeah, don't look at Facebook. I don't trust people. Because the. <laughs> All right. Um, okay. So who am I giving clues to again? Samantha, <laughs> Michaela, and Eric. Okay. Wait, Samantha, and it's Michaela, a word Eric. we're guessing. Uh, it's a, okay. So I'll go. So it's a person you're guessing. Uh, this person is a major figure in the environmental movement. Oh, I was uh, Kurt Yeah, it was. <laughs> it's not Kurt Gervich. Um, sadly, <laughs> um, so she uh, she wrote an essential book um, about pollution and Rachel uh, Carson. Yes, ah! Samantha. Rachel Carson. All right. So can I do? How do I do this again? Very do I close nice. my eyes again? Or? Uh, no, no, no. We'll go. Okay. We'll go different now. This time, okay. we'll go. Um, Adam, Aziza, and Hadar will close their eyes, and um, and Eric will be the 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 the, the, the giver master. The giver. Yeah, the giver master. <laughs> How much time do we have? I'm terrible at this. Right. Nine minutes. Nine minutes of this, Eric, would be fantastic. <laughs> we're we're trying to make ten thirty tonight, so if you can drag <laughs> this out, that'd be excellent. Is, I think my wife is watching. She'll vouch for me. I'm not good at this. Can you see it? I can't. I I hope that there's a theme among these, Lauren. Uh, oh, it's environment theme. Yeah, well, no, but in in the words that we're not allowed to say, because we're two for two so far. Oh. <laughs> well, I agree. I mean, you got to admit, I, I like it. I'm not dissenting. <laughs> All right. So, who's who's doing the? Who so Eric will be speaking the words. And... I open my eyes. No, no. Uh, do you, do no. you have them, Eric? Uh, yep. All right. Yep. Eric's got them. You can quit Wait sharing. Uh huh. Stop, share, okay. Okay, I'm good. Okay, Hadar, Aziza, and Adam are the guessers, and Eric is uh, 
Now, now, are we stuff. timing this relative to the other group? I mean, oh yeah, definitely. I mean, Samantha <laughs> got it pretty quickly. It would be a difficult. Uh... Yeah, <laughs> and your residuals from this show will be reduced by ten percent. <laughs> All right, clock is running. Oh, All right. Okay. <laughs> All right. Uh, so um, this off to a good start. <laughs> This person is Swedish, uh, very vocal about global warming. Greta Thunberg. Greta, yeah, Greta Thunberg. There you go. Nicely done. Right, Nicely done. We have, one, done. More. We have uh, one more. Okay. Um, so, uh, what is it? It must be uh, Charles, who hasn't done this. Uh, Charles, you and I, you, me, and John, we will close our eyes. Right. Um, and uh, and Adam will read the words. Oh, good grief! I gotta get a pen or something. <laughs> no, you have take to a get picture a with your phone or something. That's a good idea. Just open a word document. I'm not even <laughs> sitting at the computer. I'm like way back trying to stage this, yeah, so I actually look professional. His, like <laughs> Facebook feed. No, I'm, is, I'm who's like... not wearing pants? <laughs> 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 All right, Adam, are you looking? Are you no. kidding me? Why do I get this one? <laughs> uh, hold on, hold on, hold on. I don't even know how the words that I'm not supposed to use are the ones that I should connect. <laughs> well, if you don't know what the thing is, you're totally screwed. I'm totally screwed. <laughs> Trust me on this. Are you kidding? <laughs> I, don't have a, I don't have a clue. <laughs> oh my God, we need a person. Eric, can you take over in a clutch? Eric, jump in, save my ass. Uh, okay. Work together, teamwork. <laughs> hey, hey, yeah, everybody is a team. <laughs> sure. Okay, so do you do you know the words you can't say? I I do. <laughs> okay. Okay, we're teaming this. Sure. Can we look? Can we look yet? You can. Look. Yeah, you can look. It's really small. Uh, SUNY Plattsburgh Endowment? It? What? I don't know. <laughs> the number of people still on campus? Uh, coronavirus. Um, My chances of getting a job. Um, like, I have to Google this. Oh, Donald Trump's hands. Donald Trump's hands. Bill, Bill McKibben uh, website. Um, 350 parts per million. Oh my god. All right. Nice. I'm sharing this again just because it's very You're welcome, Adam. Thank you. <laughs> All right, oh, you well. can see this. I was like, what? So that's exactly <laughs> I don't know who James Hansen is. <laughs> Guys, I've spent my whole life avoiding the Clean Air Act. So so this is like This is not the Clean Air Act. Well, it's close enough. It's it all is not close enough. <laughs> hey, can you it show is the, the most ne ridiculous thing I ever heard? <laughs> can you show the NEPA slide? What are the words for NEPA? <laughs> what what'd you Wait. put for NEPA? Okay. <laughs> Public comment. <laughs> under Trump. Trump. Oh no. Oh, see that one. Oh. See, I just want to say I pulled this off in like 20 minutes. You That's did very well. Very you did very well. Okay, you did very well. Very well. All right. I'm going to close us out with our last game. 
Oh, All right. good God. Okay, this one is called Climate Change Winner or Loser. And everybody loses. So I'm going to give alert. you, I'm going to, I'm going to pick two it's people. Like fish banks. We're going to start with, <laughs> we're going to start with Hadar um, and Samantha. No, no, no. We'll do, we, we should pair up guests and, and students. We'll do Hadar and John, right? And you have 15 seconds to then argue um, to make a 15 second argument about whether or not you think this thing is a climate change winner or loser, okay? So do, do we have to each choose a side? No, you we don't, you can both argue. You can okay. you can argue for winner and John can argue for What's, winner. What defines a winner or a loser in this context? The winner and the loser are determined on this one by Michaela and Eric. Oh, no, no, no. What does it mean to be a climate change winner or loser? In this <laughs> oh, you decide, <laughs> you decide, John. It's ambiguous. I'm just sit in the competition <laughs> against. Just yeah, live in the global north. ambiguous. <laughs> so um, Hadar and John. All right, 15 minutes to think and then make your argument for whether minutes. or not. <laughs> 15 minutes. 15 minutes. Sometimes I have to do some seconds. research. <laughs> Google to something. make your argument about whether or not Ben and Jerry's is a climate change winner or loser. Kurt's asking for a three-page I... paper due at 11. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I would well, you could get it done. Say... Okay, go ahead, Hadar. I would say winner because people will be so upset and like distraught and stressed. They're going to be like just guzzling Ben and Jerry's. Like they're just like <laughs> eating so much ice cream and like they have pretty good ice I mean, they have very good ice cream. So they're just going to be like just downing Ben and Jerry's. So like in like, you know, the medium term, like big win, obviously we're all going to die unless something changes. So like long-term loser. Very nice. Very nice. All right, John. I can't do any better than what Hadar just did. Ah. I I defer. <laughs> Hadar wins. All right, Hadar wins. Okay, um, next will be Samantha and Lauren. Where's my role? Do I have to do something? I, what do you? I, I I sort of declared that Hadar wins. What do you think, Michaela? I think that. I'd like to counter the entire argument and say that Ben and Jerry's is the loser because as a New York native, Stuart is winning the ice cream <laughs> game. All right. I'm a New York native too, and I got to give it to Ben and Jerry's. We don't have oh. Stuart's in Syracuse, so. Yeah, Stuart's hasn't made its way to Long Island either. So clearly so. Syracuse is the well, Sorry, We're Pennsylvania. Well, ben and Jerry's made its so, way. Ben know, and Jerry's? Global. Global. I love your arms just completely disappeared. <laughs> Lauren, when you're when you're this zen in the environmental movement, you too will be just come part of the earth. That's my ultimate goal. Yeah. Uh, our, all right, Samantha and Lauren, 15 seconds to argue whether or not mosquitoes are climate change winners or losers. I'm saying they're going to take over the earth. Everything warms up. All those little ponds, they just go crazy, mate all over the place, and we're going to be replaced by mosquitoes. Winner. In the short term, that makes good sense, but then the jellyfish and the cockroaches are going to eat them, so probably they're losers in the end. How are the jellyfish going to eat the, the mosquitoes? Well, she mentioned ponds, and you know, ponds are full of jellyfish. What? <laughs> There's some holes in that logic. Um, Actually, the, I think I have a pretty second. solid argument. Let me oh look it my up God. in my environmental <laughs> science textbook. I think Laura and he just single-handedly tanked our ratings. 
what ratings? All right, uh, Aziza oh, right. and Adam. All right, uh, 15 seconds to make hey, your argument. Arguing on the mosquito front. Oh yeah, <laughs> we're, we're still arguing wrong. about this? <laughs> <laughs> what? Uh, I think Samantha wins. I, yeah, I think so. Against Thank you. Against me. All right. My argument was bullshit. Oh, I mean, I saw you ride a tandem bike. <laughs> <laughs> she What's always wins. <laughs> well, if, if you threaten to actually, if you threaten to the win, then she'll just post the video. <laughs> oh, the video is epic. She's on bruised ribs. I mean, I was fine. <laughs> Uh, all right, Aziza and Adam, uh, 15 seconds. Um, Taylor Swift, climate change winner or loser? Um, I, I have no idea. Um, <laughs> um, okay, um, I, I mean, she has a lot of potential to like celebritize uh, environmental issues and like bring attention to them and stuff. So I guess winner. Um, All right. Potential. Yeah. I, I'm going to say loser on this. There's a lot of hot air that comes out that is purely carbon dioxide. <laughs> How many parts per million is the question? I think it's 350. <laughs> minimum. minimum 350. What do you think, Michaela? What do I think? Yeah, who won that one? I'm gonna I'm gonna say Adam won that one. I'm yeah. I'm not a huge Taylor Swift fan, so I'll disclose that I'm biased. I mean, it's just a clever ploy for ratings because my understanding is that like arguing about T Swift is like huge for content, you know, yeah, page, page that's views, engagement on tweets, you know, everything. So yeah. it's, uh, very shrewd. If she had a breakup. And then another album came from that. There's a possibility for some success within all of this, but I'm not sure so much with climate change. She's no. wealthy. She's going to be fine. Right. Like, rich, right? Her contract is with is with Clear Channel, and so is Taylor Swift's, and so they have us do this cross promotional thing, John. So you're totally oh, right. Oh yeah. I knew. Um, it. All right. Use our and discount code. <laughs> and who's next? Um, uh charles and uh where are we where where eric. are we uh charles and eric charles and eric all right yeah. michaela you're our only judge on this one no you and lauren will be judges michaela and lauren are judges here all right um climate change winner or loser the last one you're taking us home on this toast I mean, all of humanity is toast. <laughs> so it's a boon for the industry. Like, uh, um, here we go. Well, uh, we need some details here. Only toast. All purpose. What, what, what are we talking about? Yeah, that's you know you know what you know what I'm thinking about. Here's the thing: plants, when there's more carbon dioxide in the atmosphere, have a hard time growing and being as nutritious. So therefore, all of our wheat crops are just going to shrivel up and not be useful to us. So the bread supply is going to decrease, and if the bread supply goes away, well then, what the fuck are we going to toast? This sounds like a classic like environmental studies student. Boom. <laughs> I just Drop use my systems. I just use my systems thinking, Kurt. You proud of me? <laughs> wow. Wow. I 
I think I think the real loser here is Liz Onash, who just joined the conversation, and that's what she <laughs> oh, came into. That's, that's <laughs> harsh, oh, harsh. Oh, I'm so sorry. Hi, Liz. Wait, Eric, what were you going to say? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I, I think, think the jellyfish uh, is going to eat the toast, and then I think that's, that's systems thinking. You bring the jellyfish yeah. back around to the toast. So there's one more level to go. Oh. One more feedback loop, probably. Eric, do you have anything on this? On toast? <laughs> oh, I'll, I'll, you know, I think I was thinking about how you make your toast. Like you use okay. electricity or a wood fired oven or something in between. Sun. Yeah. Sun with reflectors. Yeah. Toaster. Just the sun, you would get stale bread, but yeah. If we're trying to count our carbon footprint and use a wood fired, what you know, wood instead of electricity. I'd like to say that my, my argument comes from. At the Farragut North Metro Station uh, over the summer, there was a sign that was like an infographic that showed it was from a beer distributor and it showed how climate change was going to make it harder for us to get beer. And after a couple of weeks well, of passing compelling. it every day, yeah, I know. After a couple of weeks of passing it every day, that's just been like ingrained into my mind. And that's my motivation. That's why I wake up every day now. How are advertising? Huh. Both? Yeah. Oh, it worked. I'm compelled. <laughs> All right. Well, this has been fun. This is this How has you... been great. It's it's been fun to feel like you know part of a community and and to feel like we're doing the things that we usually do and enjoying our connections for a little while. I Thanks yeah, for doing this. I can turn you all off. Bye. <laughs> I have one closing question before we uh, before we depart. Um, what is the proper way to say goodbye on a Zoom call? I've been on about like ten yeah. of these now. Because how do you, how do you do it? Like do, you, I, do you so from my trick? experience? Yeah. We like announce that the meeting is closing, and then everyone for like ten seconds. 10 seconds goes bye 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 everyone bye bye and you know they just drop off and an awkward, awkward wave that's different each time and when you have to like click the button to leave so it's like what am i doing here right now you get like the smile stuck on your face like trying to find the leave meeting button <laughs> This is, well, this I is think we just did it. Never be the same. Yeah, it was fine. I enjoyed it. <laughs> Goodbye. Good night, bye, Eric. Bye, bye. Bye. Everybody, thanks. <laughs> thanks for listening to another episode of Pod for the Planet. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a rating and a comment with your thoughts. That's the best way to help us get heard by more people. If you really enjoyed this episode, please share it with your friends on social media and tag us at Pod for the Planet. See you next time.